hit me. From Studio P in Sausalito, the home of the hit, it's time for... Sucker Time. The number one comedy podcast about comedy. Podcasts. And here's your host, internationally recognized comedy podcast podcaster, Mark Hershaw. Oh yes, it is I, Mark Hershaw, your host, and this is Suckatash, your comedy podcast podcast. There, that's this episode's nod to Dean and Phil over at your Chill Pack Hollywood Hour podcast. Gosh, they didn't mention us at all this past week. But they did have friend of Succotash Chris Bono as their guest. Chris was uh, my my guest a few episodes ago. And you know, Bono Man's been having a tough time. He's just today going in for a hip replacement. He's a comedian and an artist, so guess which profession gets him more dough? Eh, trick question. They both pay equally shitty. So he could use our help. If you go up to Chris Bono, Dot com, that's C-H-R-I-S-B-O-N-N-O dot com, and click on the Give Forward button, you can put your love and good wishes and mostly money into Chris's body in the form of a sparkling new hip. Coming up this episode, we have some lovely comedy podcast clips, of course, because that's what we do. As well as Will Durst and his Burst of Durst, we have a very special Boozin' with Bill segment where Bill is going to crack into a rare bottle of something he found somewhere. We have a new song by our friend John Anilio, and I have an interview with one of the organizers of the Los Angeles Podcast Festival, which is going to have its second go-round this October. Graham Elwood is also a stand-up comic, an author, and co-host of the Comedy Film Nerds Podcast. So he's going to be here, and when he is, he's going to sound very much like this. I was waiting tables for about the first year out, out of college, and then I was able to quit because there was just enough work, and I did everything. I mean, some you do some nice comedy clubs on the weekends. I do gigs in bowling alleys. I mean, I, every, every holiday in, in Wisconsin <laughs> that had a lounge, I performed at it. So that's Graham Elwood. And we will have our chat a little later in the show. I mentioned Phil as in Phil Lairness a little earlier from Chill Pack Hollywood. And I'm hoping to be his date next weekend for a screening of, as it's referred to on Doug Benson's Doug Loves Movies, Star Trek No Colin Into Darkness at the Director's Guild Theater. So that'll be nice because I'm heading to L.A. for the weekend. I'm also hoping to re-record an interview with three guys whose interviews I lost on a broken hard drive last year. You might have remembered that sad tale. I'm hoping Ed Krasnick, Brant Von Hoffman, and Steve Smith will all be around for me to talk to while I'm down there. The weekend is starting off with a raucous celebration of a very good friend's birthday, however, so there, so there is a chance that none of that other stuff will happen. But you don't care about my comings and goings. You're here for one thing and one thing only. The 10 most active shows in the Stitcher Top 100 Comedy Podcast List. I realize that when I read the 10 most active in the Stitcher Top 100 Comedy Podcast List, very often I don't even know some of these shows that I'm reading about. And they are in the Top 100 of Comedy Podcasts. That is out of literally thousands of other shows. So starting this week, I'm going to pick one or two or maybe a few to play you clips from so we can all learn as we grow. Here's the list of, again, the most active shows on the list this past week. That means, regardless of their rank, they showed the most movement either up or down the chart. At 47, The Champs, with Neil Brennan and Moshe Kasher, down 10. At 59, The World of Phil Hendry, up 21. At 63, Sir Daryl Radio Experience is up 
339 places. That's how high up it jumped on the list. 339. Sir Daryl Radio Experience. We will give a listen to that in just a moment. Uh, At 73, The Sex Squad is up 17. 79, Conversations with Matt Dwyer, up 257 places. That is a lot of movement. And uh, I've got a clip from Conversations with Matt Dwyer coming up. At 80, the Dana Gould Hour, down 15. Generally happens when uh, Dana's got one that's got a little bit stale on the shelf. So he's going to have to uh, get a new episode out pretty soon. But we will hear from Dana Gould this episode because uh, he appears on someone else's podcast a little later in our show. At 81, Yoshi Didn't Podcast, down 14. At 82, Wits, up 27. At 84, a new podcast out there in the ranks, Rolling with Dice and Wheels, is up 113 places. Not surprising when you find out who's on that podcast. Uh, And I will have a clip in just a moment. At 98, the Smodcast Feeb, F-E-A-B. Still don't know what that means. It's down 17. It's at 98. I think by next week I won't be talking about it anymore. So let's go ahead and pluck out those three biggest climbs this week. I'm not familiar with them, and I think one... Oh, I, I know that one is brand new, at least eight episodes in. So here we go. First up, the Sir Daryl Radio Experience. Now, I'm not sure what this show's all about or why it shut up 339 places on the Stitcher Top 100 Comedy Podcast this week. I listened to part of a recent episode where Sir Daryl, who builds himself on his home site for the show as, quote, the most articulate Negro in America, unquote, starts drinking wine and apparently starts to get a little loopy within just a couple of minutes. Here's a bit of that. All right. So I, this is the Sir Daryl Radio Experience. I am on the air right now talking to my audience. And because I'm so stressed out about what has happened, yes, I have picked up a glass of wine. Can I put the wine in view, please? Here is the wine. Here is Sir Daryl drinking the wine. That's how much a swig is. And this amount of wine, you know, this was full. Hold on, let me put this up. This was full of, uh, about five minutes ago. I've now drank this much of the wine. And... um. I'm feeling dizzy. I'm feeling uh, inebriated. I'm feeling slightly intoxicated. And that's because I have absolutely, absolutely no tolerance for alcohol. Look, I haven't even been looking into the camera because I didn't even know which direction the camera was. That shows you how I shouldn't be drinking this wine. But it also shows you what you all have done to me. The state that you all have put me in by your refusal to admit the brilliance that is me. It's driving me to drinking. Now, if you want to make it up to me, Create a GoFundMe account for Sir Daryl and put about fifteen or twenty thousand dollars in there, the way you did for Charles Ramsey, and then I'll stop drinking. Now I'm going to stop this and I'm going to upload this now to Facebook so that you all can see exactly what you've driven me to. Goodbye. Now I've done that. You heard me do it. I'm going to now. I'm sorry that I have to do this while I'm on air, people, but it, it's just the only way to, to to work this. I am now going to upload this to to Facebook to all of you who um. To all of you who are following, let me see. See what you have done to me. And then I'll, all of you who are listening, uh, uh, post this on your Facebook walls as well. Because the people need to know how you're driving me to drink. See what you have done to me. Now let me attach this video that I just made to it. You all are going to be sorry when you see this because I look an absolute mess right now. I, I mean, I, I look absolutely horrid. This craziness that's taken place here. 
the video is uploading now, and it will be uploaded in a few minutes, and then I'll move on to something else. But what I want all of you all to do is to realize that I am now drinking on air because of each and every one of you for not realizing. See, I'm now getting some support saying dial-up was torture. Yes, it absolutely was torture, but I, was, I probably was tortured by it more than anybody because I was on it all day long. Is anybody creating a memorial fund for me while I live? No. Is anybody even saying, thank you, Sir Daryl. Thank you for all of the work that you've done for us. No. The only thing that seems to be happening is people are taking for granted the blessings that are called Sir Daryl. So there. You can find that gentleman, Sir Daryl, live every weekday from 1 until 3 p.m. Eastern Time at Sir Daryl, D-A-R-R-Y-L, Dot com, or you can track them down on past episodes at iTunes and Stitcher Smart Radio. Comedian, actor, and writer Bill Dwyer's Conversations with Bill Dwyer podcast is into its 50s, episode-wise. Gee, at Suckatash, we're in our 60s, but there must be a reason Matt's Stitcher numbers leaped up 257 places this week, right? Here's a slice from his recent interview with Duncan Trussell, who's also a comic and the host of the Duncan Trussell Family Hour, a show which frequently finds itself in the top 100. There could be somebody sitting in post-apocalyptic rubble right now who just threw batteries into something and somehow managed to listen to this. Poor bastard. That's weird because in my mind's eye, when I record this, that's the person I record it for. It's for that one final person. The one guy sitting on an old, old aluminum cooler. I, I gotta listen to podcasts. Fuck it. Wild dogs in the street, <laughs> rotting corpses dangling from overpasses, stench of of burning metal. There's only there's there's only one government, and it's three people. And he's just been declared an enemy of the state. So and all he has is that this is the only release he has from the anxiety that is his life. Then as soon as this episode ends and that, that feral song plays at the very end, yes. his life just goes back into this angsty. Angsty? Is that not a word? <laughs> no, I just I, I never picture the post-apocalyptic mood as angsty. You know what? Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the post-apocalyptic mood actually, maybe everyone's going to be, fi- they'll be relieved and they'll just be like, fuck, finally, we know where we stand. Everything is... Everything is devastating, you know? We don't have to worry about there being no more water because now there is no more water. It is interesting when you see the apocalypse happen, like, you know, the little pieces of, of climate change, like that tornado that just happened. That thing looked fucking huge. Two miles. The thing was, like, apparently two miles wide. What? Really? It flattened an entire city. It. You look at the swaths of swaths of land where there used to be a uh, city and it's just squares that were houses because i just heard this on the news um they can't it's very difficult to build basements there because it's a what real, do they do with their bumper pool tables <laughs> <laughs> above ground bumper <laughs> pool buddy that, that sounds terrible that is like 80 percent of the debris field around the tornado bumper, was pool, bumper tables? pool tables and cards Conversations with Matt Dwyer is part of the lineup at feralaudio.com, but you know that you can find them also on iTunes and obviously Stitcher Smart Radio, where you can also find past episodes of Suckatash, the comedy podcast podcast. Dice is back. 
Celebrity Apprentice wasn't enough, and now Andrew Dice Clay and his longtime opening act and friend Michael Wheels Parisi have their own podcast called Rollin' with Dice and Wheels. They're only into their Epi 8 and doing phenomenal numbers, up 113 places this week to make it up into the top 100 on Stitcher. In this recent episode, comic Tom Green is co-hosting in place of Wheels. Tommy, you're the really... Should you, I have not... I, I really got to thank you. You're the yeah. one that really got me into alcohol. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. I, did, I didn't know that. I've been enjoying it ever since. I don't think I knew that. No. Remember, like, when we would be in New York doing the uh, Donnie Trump's Apprentice? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Remember, you would go out at night, yeah. and, and you'd come home, like, fucking plastered? Yeah, absolutely. Remember, with remember, Rodman. Remember when you had the fight in I'd the go cab? with Rodman. Yeah, you'd go out with Rodman. Yeah. Tell, tell them about the fight. Well, I don't really want, I don't want to talk about that on the radio. Too, it was too. It was too intense of an uh, experience. So Tom goes out with this chick, right? Yeah. And uh, he goes out with like these two couples. Masini, uh-huh. you listen to it. Yeah. yeah. He goes out with a couple of these uh, yeah. couples because he liked this girl, right? So it's about three thirty, four in the morning. It was a friend. It was a friend of mine. It was yeah. Oh, yeah. uh, you didn't want to bubble fuck this chick. Okay. Well. Yeah. You did, did you meet? Did you meet her? Or? I didn't have to meet. Wait. Her. Are you talking about Drew Barrymore? You, no, 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 no. You got to understand. Is from ET? Oh, God. Absolutely, yeah. No, no, That's, no, no, let's, no. let's talk about that. You know, actually, let's talk about Could that. Could you imagine having the chick from ET? Thank you. Having the chick from ET blowing you on the couch? Oh. You know what I mean? <laughs> but only she was older already, right? She was already like an adult? Yes, yes. It wasn't. How old was she when you met her? Um... Is that what this is going to end up no, being? No, 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 I'm not going to talk about it. Yeah, I don't know what I'm going to talk about. <laughs> but just how old was she when you met her? Oh, I don't know. Uh, Early 20s? Yeah, mid-20s. Okay, so that's the only question I got. Like, like when you were on the couch with her, was there E.T. ever on, like, in the background? No. You no, know we never I mean? watched like, it Wouldn't together. that be weird if, like, you were making out with her or something? Yeah. You know what I mean? You're giving a, you know, one of them three finger rides around the fucking block and all of a sudden... Well, I don't really feel comfortable talking about it on the radio. (laughs) I don't want to talk about it. That's not what the show's about. I thought we were just coming over to hang out and... Machinian brought up, he thinks you're still married to... You realize, you guys realize people will be listening to this at some point. Lots of people are... I'm retarded and I don't know, I don't keep on social stuff. I know you you, can have any girl you want, man, but Drew Barrymore is kind of... Yeah. Well, thank you. Max asked me why you never... I've seen Firestarter. Yeah. Great movie. Five stars. Absolutely. No, but even... No, I'd, I'd like to talk about this, you know, off no, I don't, microphone. I don't, I don't want to talk about no. it, but even Max asked yeah. me the other day... Actually, I wouldn't even never... like to talk about it off the microphone. You going to let me say something? Yeah, okay. I'm the boss of the show, remember that. Yeah, okay. You're a co-host. Yeah. I'm the star of mm-hmm. the show. Find more of that hilarity at rollinwithdiceandwheels.com, iTunes, and Stitcher Smart Radio. The ten most active shows in the Stitcher Top 100... Comedy Podcast List! Hello, this is Alessandro Marvelli, the production designer for uh, Combat Radio. You're listening to Sacco Tesh for uh, the podcast of podcast of podcast of podcast. So much show. Those clips were just skimmed off this week's The 10 Most Active in the Stitcher Top 100 Comedy Podcast List. 
let's go get some more. We haven't looked in on Cole Stratton and Vanessa Ragland of the Pop Mic Culture podcast for a while. They're going great guns after taking a little time away from the mics and just dropped their 116th episode, which features guest Dana Gould. Comic, actor, writer, he's also the host of podcasting's The Dana Gould Hour. I'm featuring this episode for This Week in Comedy Podcasts over on Splitsider.com, by the way, for my review this week. So let's hear a, a little snippet from Pop My Culture. Oh, substantive people in pop culture news. Uh, Mr. Bieber won, and what did he win? Uh, AMA? Just, you know, this is at the Billboard Music Billboard. Awards the other night. This is Justin Bieber won the Bieber. first Milestone Award, which is like honoring like innovation in music. Mm-hmm. And this is the is this, is this the Disney Music Awards? <laughs> this is the Billboard of all okay. things. Because I know was, they also just had the Disney Music Awards. Right. There were three Ugh. people nominated Same for this thing. this like innovation in music Milestone Award. It was Bieber, Taylor Swift, and Bruno Mars. And, and my Taylor didn't get it? Nope. <laughs> Sweet, sweet Tay. The Biebs got it. When he went on stage, uh, there's kind of a lot of booing going on in the sure. crowd. And then he got super defensive in his speech. And first of all, like, he looks like... The, oh. He looks like uh, Vanilla Ice now. Yeah, yes. that's exactly what it was. He Even droopier. He looks like a, he looks Such a, a poopy diaper. Yeah, he looks like a ventriloquist dummy of Vanilla Ice. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty right on. Oh, my God. And he has sunglasses on at night. And yeah. So oh. Ventrilla Ice goes up there. Ventrilla Ice. <laughs> nice. Oh, yeah. Cole, that was lovely. Um, and wow. So he, beautiful. He Let's get that on the internet. Sure. It is now. Let's start that. So he, Ventrilla, Ice. Ventrilla Ice. God love you. So he goes up there and immediately goes like, all right. I'm 19 years old. I think I'm doing a pretty good job. And, and but, you like, know, I'm an artist, and I think what I do is good. And, uh, you know, it's not a gimmick. It's not a gimmick. It's about the artistry. It's about the artistry, and like, we don't need this other bull. <laughs> and then he's like, but I'd like to thank uh, my manager, uh, Jesus Christ, uh, my mom and my dad, I love you, my little brother. The yeah. stage I'm on. Oh, no, all that other bull should not be spoken of. He said. Right. <laughs> Whoa, 19-year-old. The bull should not be spoken of. And, you know, he's got that, like, that like voice now, you know. Yeah. like he's he very did. cool and affected. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Artist, you know. He sounds like Wee Bay from The Wire. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's a good gif of beautiful Tay-Tay Swift watching. She's, like, it's at behind the scenes of the Bobo Music Awards, and she sees... Justin Bieber and Selena kissing, and it's so, she just goes Bleh, and sticks, sticks her, her tongue, tongue out, out and rolls her eyes, and it's like the most adorable thing. Oh, I've I guess. But it's like I, I met like, Taylor Swift and have no memory of it. Why? What happened to you? Did um, she knock you out? Well, she no. waved this thing in front of his eyes. Like, my daughter, this. you know, my daughter, I have nine-year-old and ten-year-old, mm-hmm. and and uh, and a four-year-old. But my nine and ten-year-old, my nine-year-old is really into Taylor Swift in One Direction and all that stuff. She's yeah. a complete. Squid, my ten year old <laughs> my ten year old is really into and okay, my nine year old gets like Yikes magazine, which is Tiger Beat. Okay. Uh loves One Direction and Taylor Swift and has like a Justin Bieber collage on her door. <laughs> my ten year old, also a girl, uh gets National Geographic, listens to <laughs> Radio Lab. Oh and my gosh. Has a uh, like a chart of dinosaurs on that. That nine door. to ten year is really formative, I guess. <laughs> it's just <laughs> a, profoundly it's almost like so they, they cancel each other out. Yeah, man. it's really amazing. <laughs> it's really funny. Um and uh but so I was in Philadelphia and I was driving around doing morning radio with uh with the uh what do you call it? The uh 
PR person. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was talking talking about her kids. And I said, my daughter's really into Taylor Swift. And she goes, oh, did you, she must have flipped out when you told her you met her. I said, I didn't meet her. She goes, yeah, you met her with me last time you were here. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I was like, really? She's like, yeah, I was at the radio. You walked in, you said hello, she said hello, and then you went out. I was like, oh, I don't remember. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I guess I was at her the Did time. Did you brag about it when you got home? Yeah, I did. Honey, apparently, guess I what? I Daddy forgot. Apparently I, met, apparently, I met Taylor Swift. Dad! <laughs> Swing into fun at popmyculturepodcast.com, as well as iTunes and Stitcher Smart Radio. My buddy Sean Merrick, who produces Pod Crash with That Chris Gore, is also now working over at the Sideshow Network, where they have a massive pile of steaming comedy podcasts. Some really great shows, in addition to Pod Crash, like Overview with our pal Rick Overton, The Chong and Chong Show with Tommy Chong, and Storyworthy with Christine Blackburn and Hannah Finney. It's also home to the Paul Mercur- Mercurio Show. I've clipped Paul here before, but it's been a while, and it's hard to keep tabs on what everyone in the universe of hundreds of thousands of podcasts is doing, so Sean dropped me a note in our tweet sack. No, Tweety, you're too early. Anyway, Sean wanted me to know that, sh- that Paul's guest this week was Jay Leno. I don't think I've heard of Jay being on any podcast before. Is that possible? Anyway, Paul got him. They have a bit of a history together. Jay bought the very first joke that Paul sold, uh, which gave him the inspiration to give up his law practice and become a comedian. In this clip, Jay and Paul talk a little bit about the struggle starting out as a comic. When you go to Emerson as a freshman, do you you say that and you you said you noticed they didn't have any comedy or comedy courses? Were you actively thinking? comedy now this is what i want to do how did that sort of well i thought i would have to i thought i would do it until i couldn't do it until i had to get a job or something of that nature um i did a lot of the open mic nights i mean back in 69 and 70 71 it was you know every every college would put a candle in the cafeteria and that would become the two-toe cafe on saturday nights and you know guys would come on and sing anti-vietnam songs whatever it might be and I was usually MC and do some comedy. And I thought, okay. And it seemed like a fun way to make a living. And I thought I would do this, like I said, until, okay, you got to stop now. Okay, this isn't working. Yeah. I mean, I, I you know, when do you I. Do have any hell gigs? Like, where you just like. Oh, I had a million hell gigs. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I've talked about those. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, I used to sleep in an alley near 44th and 9th. And I. It was it was Dyke's Lumberyard was across the street. And I can remember sleeping. And I would just go there and sleep in that alley. And I remember I was in the alley one night, and maybe maybe where that door is, about five feet away, there's some guy with a prostitute, and they're arguing, and then she's... And I'm like, is this my life now? I mean, I'm sleeping in the alley. Surely after I live. You know, and I thought, really? Is this, is this what my life is? Because, you know, it was at the point where my friends were getting jobs yeah. and getting cars and making car payments. And when my friend Louie bought a house, I went, wow, he got a house. I'm sleeping in an alley. I'm sleeping in an alley. <laughs> you know, I mean, but yeah. it's okay. Well, but it's I know okay. that feeling. When I left Wall Street to do this full time, I unraveled my life. I actually moved to New Rochelle, where you were born, and lived, yeah. moved to a rooming house. Yeah. And I shared, I had a little 10 by 12 room. I had a two-bedroom apartment on the Upper West Side that I owned. The scufflinks, the gold wash, the whole yeah. nine yards. And I chucked it all in yeah. the car and started over. And I immediately started to have doubts once I was in it because, man, it was not glamorous. You go yeah. three hours. Yeah. I worked at Joker's Wild in New Haven. I don't know if you remember that club. I opened for yeah. Elaine Boozler. Oh, I just yeah, saw yeah. her recently. Yeah, yeah, Elaine. And um, did, a, did a TV show with her. And 
uh, I go in, it's February, and the guy who owns the club is notoriously, at the time, like a Coke guy, like Del Coke out of right. there, Coke. I walk in, I go, I'm looking for the owner. I go, he goes, uh, he goes, uh, who are you? I go, I'm the opening act. He goes, oh, yeah. He goes, oh, you want a shot? I go, no. He goes, you want to do some blow? I go, no. He goes, what are you, a pussy? That's what he said to yeah, me. Yeah. This is the owner. Right, yeah. I go, no, I just, you know, I'm going to put myself. I go on stage. It's February. Everybody's wearing their jackets. The guy wasn't paying his heating bill. Well, so there was yeah. no heat. You could see people's breath. And he was doing and show and didn't care and yeah. Elaine went up and did her thing and I come off stage at the end of the weekend it was five shows 50 bucks a show 250 and he stiffs me on my money yeah he's like oh they, they, the bouncer goes oh he left he didn't leave us a check come back so I call a guy call a guy call a guy I go back the next week he goes come on Saturday I have a check for you I go back to pick up my check stiffs me again oh, yeah. I call him call him call him Long story short, I get him on the phone. He goes, hey, he goes, you think you're going to get paid? He goes, if it's between you and the oil company, you lose. You and the gas company, you lose. And yeah. click and have the phone. And those moments oh, yeah. go make you go, what am I doing? Why am I? Is this dream oh, yeah. worth it? Is oh, this yeah. passion worth it? Yeah. <coughs> oh, I had a million, though. I went all the way to Latham, New York from uh, Latham Theater from L.A. Mm. And, boy, I get there. And I literally get out of the cab, and it's boarded up. <laughs> The guy, they didn't even told me they closed the place like three or four days earlier. And it was, that's it. Now you're broke and you're in a town. spent four hours driving, yeah, whatever flying, it was. You know, yeah, I mean, there's a million of those. Just heartbreaking. But do you think it's horrible. it's sort of God's, whatever you want to call it, sort of the, 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 the universe's way of testing your metal to see how badly you want this? Well, I suppose you could say that. Yeah, I mean, that's all part of it. I mean, if you, you realize you... You use everything, you know. It, it's a bit like uh, an organic farmer. You recycle every every one of those incidents became a story for a podcast or a talk show or something of that nature. Right. I mean, that's pretty much what the business is. That's why it pays a lot at the end because you don't have anything at the beginning. You can listen to the entire interview on the Paul Mercurio Show over at SideshowNetwork.tv. You can also, of course, yank it down from iTunes and Stitcher Smart Radio. This portion of Succotash is brought to you by Henderson's Breakaway Trousers. For the first time available to the public, Henderson's Breakaway Trousers are the ideal solution for you, whether you are a man suffering from weak bladder syndrome or premature ejaculation. How many times have you been running late for that important business meeting only to find that your bratty bladder doesn't care about snaps, buttons, zippers, and belts? And who hasn't been on that date of a lifetime with that hottie that everyone wants to bang? You'd like to make a good showing, but gosh darn it, those pesky spermatozoa want out, and they want out now. Friends, when you're sporting a pair of Henderson's breakaway trousers... You've got the confidence to know that you'll be down to nothing in no time at all. And before you can say, Jack Robinson, it's bombs away and you're good to go. Originally designed for the military, the theater, and penitentiary, penitentiary, pe jails, Henderson's breakaway trousers are available online and wherever fine pants are sold. Available soon in women's styles, too. That's Henderson Breakaway Trousers. And now back to more of Succotash. Why, thank you, Bill Haywatt. Yeah, we'll have you in the studio in just a few moments. Although I've played a few bits and pieces and show IDs from Davey and Dent over at the Bitter Sound podcast, I think I've yet to feature a bonafide clip. 
He's also the co-host of the Strange Times podcast, along with Kat Sorens from the Rigid Fist and Bon from the Bonanobo Show. But he's off onto his own thing here uh, with music, sounds, and a great set of pipes to boot. Give a listen to a bit of the bitter sound. When I was about, I don't know, about, about ten, I think it was, um, I met Stuart Hall at um, some It's a Knockout live event. Um, and so this would have been about 1990 or something like that. And, um, you know, but, but I, I, I distinctly remember... When I met him, we were in kind of this uh, this tent where they serve refreshments and uh, you know all that kind of thing, and um, we were getting our vimto or whatever it was we had, and uh, and I and I saw him and I kind of recognised him from the TV. I mean, I wasn't an, an, a massive it's a knockout fan, um, but it was the kind of thing that we used to watch if we were in on a Sunday or something like that. And Stuart Hall seemed like a, you know, he seemed like a very nice man. And my dad just told me, go on, go on, go over, go over, go and say hello. So my dad, you know, sort of got, you know, was getting his, his food and, and his drink and whatever. So I went over to Stuart Hall and I said, I said, excuse me, Mr. Hall, um, I've seen you on the TV. I was only, you know, I was only ten. Um, and I'll never forget this. He, he, he reached down with his hand. And his hand moved really, really slowly. And, um, what he did, he, he shook, he shook my hand. And given given what recently come to light, I don't understand why you didn't fuck me. I don't understand why you didn't fuck me. Am I too ugly for him? I don't understand why you didn't fuck me. I must have been an ugly child. I was a guest recently, by the way, in Epi 9 of the Bitter Sound podcast. Hear more of Davian at thebittersound.com. Also on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud, too. Which reminds me, I've been throwing our Succotash episodes up on SoundCloud, so if you use their smartphone app, which is pretty handy, you can find Succotash up there as well. Now, sometimes I forget to do it, but it's a great service, and uh, I plan to uh, use it a lot more. That's uh, SoundCloud, so check them out, if you will. Rob Logan over at the Geek Generation podcast realized he had not heard himself on Succotash for a bit, so he did what every red-blooded, internationally heard comedy podcaster should do. He sent in a clip. Saves me the time of going in and snipping them off the podcast vine myself, and it's easy to do. Just send along a three- to five-minute MP3 clip of your show, 
not a prepackaged promo, please, to Mark, M-A-R-C, at SuccotashShow.com. Now, if you'd like to include a little written note of what the clip is about, that makes it even better. Here's what Rob says about his clip. Hi, Mark. Haven't sent over a clip in a while, but I thought this one was particularly entertaining. Hope you enjoy. Description? Rob Logan and Mike Volpe get inspired by the upcoming fall TV schedule and pitch some show ideas of their own. Hope all's well. Rob Logan, founder, editor-in-chief, and host. Love it. And here it is. The last one that they actually had a video preview. There's a whole bunch of other ones coming out from NBC, but the last one that had a video preview is a show called Ironside. Now, I'm wondering, did you look at the the promo picture for this? I don't think so. No? Okay. No, I scrolled over all of them. It was the one that had a bunch of cops, and the lead is uh, a black guy in the front there. Did you notice the big thing with the series just from looking at the poster? Because I didn't. No. Until I watched the preview. It's a drama about a New York City uh, police department detective, Robert Ironside. When his spine was shattered two years ago, he swore he'd never let a wheelchair slow him down. (laughs) He's, (laughs) He's sitting in a wheelchair on the picture, but they hide it so much that you don't really see the wheelchair unless you're looking for it. This is a comedy or a drama? This is a drama. No, it's not. Yes, it is. <laughs> this is a comedy. This is a drama. This is funny. It's also a remake of a series that NBC ran that lasted eight seasons from 1968 to 1975. I have a better idea for a show. Here okay. we go. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. I got one for you. I'm pitching this you right take, now. Here we go. I'm pitching it. And somebody's right. going to steal it, and I'm going to get totally screwed over financially. I'm hearing this. I'm hearing this. Here we Tell go. Me. Here we go. Okay. We do like a detective type show. Okay, I'm in. I like that. Weird things are happening in the city. Okay. Let's say New York. New York. All right. Okay. People are dying. <laughs> things are being stolen. Somebody, like a, a group is trying to take over the city. I got you. I got you. I'm in. But there are crime fighters who are coming back, like are, are solving the case for the police. Okay. You don't see them too much, but yeah. they're there in the background, like oh. superheroes in Marvel's thing. Okay. The name of the show is yep. Turtles. <laughs> it's a yes. ninja turtle show where you don't necessarily like they aren't yes. necessarily the focus it's a yep. crime show but they are in it like I they are like the it. background of the show that's kind of like an idea that came up a little while ago a couple years ago that's been like tossed around and i think it faded out mm. they were going to do something called um gotham streets or gotham yeah. nights or whatever and it was going to be about gotham city detectives oh gotham pd i think it would be called uh it would be about the cops in gotham city mm-hmm. And Batman would always be a part of it. You'd never see him, but his influence would be all over right. the or place. Or the occasional, it's that buildup that you know, oh my God, we're going to see him, we're right, going to see him. Right. And then you do, you're like, yeah, and it builds to the next time. Right, right. Turtles. I love it. That's it. I love it. I got one for you. Make you make it kind of dark, too. I got a show for you. I got a show for you. All right, what is it? All right, here's my pitch. Here we go. You got 30 seconds. Lay it on. Here's the thing. Thick. All right. We got a secret government organization, right? I like it. You with me? You like government? You like spies? I'm in. You got spies. You put it with superheroes, all right? I like superheroes. All right, you bring superheroes in. These guys. super dish pizzas, too. All right, these guys talk to superheroes. I like it. They got superheroes in there. You make it part of a bigger cinematic universe. Yes. All right? You call it Agents of shield <laughs> i like it make right. it happen yeah make it happen yeah agents of shield can we bring a guy who's dead back to life yes we can we're in we're sold we'll do it twice we no abc he'll be the kenny of the show we'll kill him every episode bring him back every time <laughs> oh yes these are the worst worst impressions we've I ever started doing these are the worst things ever um 
What was I talking about? I was about? serious about my turtles thing. Yeah, no, I like it. That's a good idea. All right. Uh, so Ironside. <laughs> no, I I like I like the 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 build up and the the role model that it could create yeah. for people who are handicapped, but I don't just, care. He's limited to what can be done, right? Like I saw a scene in the trailer the of him scene? holding someone over the side of a building, and I'm like, no, no, come on. <laughs> I'm telling you, this is going to be one of those things where it's like CSI Miami. Yep. It's serious, but the, the actor with the red hair is just constantly on the soup being made fun of. Same thing. I got a show for you. All, All right. right. All right. Here we I got go. a show for you. One Here we more. go. One Let's more. Do one more. One so more for far, the we're two for two. One more for the books. Okay, we got a police department. Yeah? I like it. Police. We got a police department. We got a guy in there who knows Kung Fu. Kung Fu police. Who like doesn't it? love Kung Fu? Everybody right. loves this Kung Fu. This guy jumps around. He's doing parkour and shit. He's throwing nunchucks at this dude. He's throwing a ninja star down. Maybe one, a little right? bit of jiu-jitsu right? or whatever jiu-jitsu, it is. little taekwondo. He might do tai chi every now and then. I don't know. All right? Here's the twist. Oh. He's in a wheelchair. Oh, my God. Yes. 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 It is so. The action is so. No. Better yet. We're going to call him wheels. No, better yet. Paraplegic. No oh, limbs no. whatsoever. We'll cut him off. The other cops have to throw him. At, throw him at the perpetrator. It's called human handcuffs. <laughs> 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 Sell it. Sell it. It's sold. It's sold. in the book. It's, it's happening. It. This fall. Oh, damn. All right. No more of that. Okay. No more. I don't have the energy for any more of those. I'm sweating. Like it? There's a whole lot more over at thegeekgeneration.com, iTunes, and Stitcher Smart Radio. My interview with Graham Elwood is right around the corner. Just a few more things to get to, including... Boozing with Big. Mark, I, I, I'd like to thank you for agreeing to do this rather unique version of Boozing with Bill. This is different, yes. Yes, I, I, it's a time to, to reflect and a time to look back. You know, often we come to the wet bar and I make a silly cocktail and we make a bunch of jokes and I swear and things and we, and we drink and, yes. and then we go on with the show. But I'd like to, to, to sort of, you know, I, I, I came across a bottle the other day that was in my archives down in the basement I found a bottle that I, I, I forgot. I, I remember it from my childhood, and you know hmm. I, I go way You do go back. way back, I go yes. Way back. I found a bottle, and it was so old. It's unopened, and it's so old, it does not even have an Internet reference. That's crazy. Isn't it crazy? How can, how can that be? Well, it's not there. I've looked, I've looked, and I have not been able to find anything. But I will say, this bottle... Belonged to my grandfather, and all of my life I grew up looking at this bottle hmm. and wondering, what the devil is in this bottle? And, and here it is, Marcus. I'd like to share it with you now. It is Michelle Crystallized Creme de Menthe. Wow, that is something. And it looks something. kind of like a Galliano bottle. It does. It's know. long and thin. It's long and thin, kind of corrugated up here. Yes, right? yes, and, fluted. Yes, and at the bottom, there's just this weird white stuff that... Uh, Ew, and then and some then sort of stuff some floating Some sort of like it. plant of material mint, or something. Mint, mint. It must be mint. I, I don't know. I, I really don't know, but it is sealed. It just has the government seal on it, and... I found out that you can't sell booze over eBay. I was going to put it up on eBay, not having any children that I know of. Hmm. I was going to sell it, and, and eBay told me no. Oh. I could not sell it on eBay. Hmm. So I, it's here with you, and, and 
You're my only friend, Mark. Oh, Bill, that's sad. I don't mean to laugh. I'm sorry. You're laughing, I, and it's sad. Is I'm it sorry. Schadenfreude? No, I now I know you've had many friends over the years, but, but all they're all dead now. I know, but and we're happy to have you here on Succotash, by the way. Oh, I like uh, my job at Succotash. Yes, I yes. like doing that very and much. I Mark. I love the time we get to spend together, Bill. So, do you really? Uh, yes. You're so not I, just telling me no, that. I'm not. You do like me. Uh, open the booze, Bill. <laughs> open it the... comes to that. Well, folks, I I have this bottle. And it's, I just want to tell you, it's from the International Products Company. I should take some pictures before you actually oh, okay. open it, I well, think. Well, here we are. Then uh, you get the bottle there. That's very good. I mean, it's close up on the label there. Of That's course. That's really yeah. something. It is very old, isn't it? It is. And then the white stuff at the bottom. The white stuff. It's, it's not from the Elliott Spritzer, is it? <laughs> I hope not. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> all right. So I'm going to open it. I've been waiting all of my life to open this weird old bottle. Oh, wow, it just sort of crumbles cork apart. just sort of crumbled in my hands. Wow. I think we're going to need a corkscrew. I okay. didn't know there was a cork in there. I thought it was going to wow. twist off. No, it's a corkscrew. But it's got like a plastic thing on the top. Interesting. Well, here at the wet bar, we're always prepared. There's always something. Marcus, this, always is, something this probably here. isn't even plastic. This is probably Bakelite or something. <laughs> I, I, I probably could feed a family for a year with what I could sell this thing for. Well, it doesn't smell... It was sealed, and there's every and, and alcohol is a preservative, so there is a faint smell of what I would think of as cre- uh, some creme sort of de menthe. menthe. Yeah, some sort of. Minty. Well, I've got two little glasses here, right. and uh, I'm going to pour a little dollop now. Oh, a little dollop, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. okay. And I'm going to pour a little dollop from me, and. Uh, you know, I want you to know, Mark, how much this show has really meant to me. My career has gone up and down and up and down and up and down and up and down and up <laughs> and down and up. You get the picture. And this is really a wonderful opportunity for me, and I'd just like to thank you and how much I enjoy Cheers. working with it's you. It's our pleasure, okay. Bill, to have you, All right. I, have you with us. To your health. Uh, and yours, uh, I hope. Oh, that'll open the sinuses. Bill? 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 Boozing with Bill. Now, this next fellow has been on Succotash before for a full-on interview. John Anelio is not only a podcaster, though, he's co-host of The Functional Nerds with Patrick Hester, but he's even more well-known for his sci-fi nerdy songs, which we have featured here many times before. Well, he's just put out a new one, and you can get a copy of it for free, which I'll tell you about after he's done singing. But I've got it for you right now, so give a listen to John Anelio and I'll Be Your Thor.
As I said, you can download a copy of I'll Be Your Thor for free, or you can just keep listening to this episode of Suckatash over and over again. Just click over to johnanelio.com, that's J-O-H-N-A-N-E-A-L-I-O.com, and follow the instructions. While you're there, check out his other fun music and maybe throw him a few bucks as well. All right, it is Tweet Sack time. That's right, Tweety, your time has come. What's in the old Tweet Sack this time, buddy? Got a note from Gerard Carey over at the Allo Court podcast, which we played a clip from last episode. He and his co-host used to have the Cinematic Method podcast, and he wanted me to listen to their new show and give them some feedback, which we did. Here's his response. Dear friend, after I recovered from the body blow you dealt by mispronouncing my name Gerald rather than Gerard, I became further depressed by the notion that you hate our new show and loved our old show. My cohorts haven't eaten for days. They, won't, they want to look like those skinny girls in the magazines, and I've just been listening to our show crying. The entirety of the first paragraph is an elaborate joke. We very much appreciated both being played on your show last week and the advice you gave. We've been lacking structure in our last few episodes, so the note of keeping the movie trailer discussion as a segment is one that we will listening to that we will listen to and one that we applied this week. For my money, it's the best segment of our most recent episode. We're still going to attempt to expand into historical, scientific, or whatever stories we find interesting, but the movie trailers are our bread and butter and something we should keep around, so thank you very much for your help. If anyone responded to your show giving their opinion on our show, I would love to hear the feedback. Thanks again, Jerry. Well, Jerry, welcome to Succotash, where you are apparently one of the only people that writes. Uh, no, that's not true. But uh, so far, nobody has sent in uh, their opinion of uh, the new Allo Court show. But if they do, I will pass those comments along. And I'm always happy to give my two cents. Hell, that's, that's kind of what this show's about, if you think about it. Or I guess it would be if I wasn't afraid of hurting people's feelings. So thanks for asking me to tell you what I thought. Also in the tweet sack this past week, Phil Ernest of Chill Pack Hollywood Hour has been directing a movie, and one of the cast members is the great John Saxon. A lot of you younger listeners may not know Mr. Saxon, but he's done quite a lot in his day, something like over 200 films, I think. Anyway, Phil tweeted to me that, quote, John Saxon has decided to retire and announced that decision during our shoot. His final scene was very moving, unquote. So, uh, little exclusive news there for you John Saxon fans. He's hanging up his hat. I look forward to seeing that performance uh, when uh, Phil's movie comes out, by the way. Eric Furness of the From Out of Nowhere podcast tweets, When you've been featured on Succotash Show and Royal and Doodle, you don't need the Stitcher Top 100. Hashtag bargaining, hashtag denial. So that's Eric from the Fooncast, and thanks for the, uh, thanks for the bolstering note there. Uh, now here's a list of some of the folks in the Twitterverse who said some kind things or just retweeted stuff we put out on Twitter this past week. At Royal and Doodle, that guy Travis, the D Head Factor, Broadcast Basement, 76th Street Network, Barker Podcast, The Rigid Fist, Monkey 34, Sunny Style, Lonely Joanna, Inverse Delirium, Rev T23, who's also known as Tyson Singer to his friends, Unsocial Network, SFJ.com, which is the boys over at Sweet Feathery Jesus, John Cullum, and Susan Weigmans from uh, Toggle the Switch, of course. 
Oh, hey, and I want to give a shout-out to Tom and Alba over at the Brit and the American Podcast who are celebrating their one-year anniversary of podcasting. Congratulations, guys. Is it everything you thought it was going to be? Now, if you listen to Doug Loves Movies, you hear a lot of this episode's special guest. Graham Elwood often opens for Doug Benson on the road and is his go-to guy for playing the Leonard Malton game, pitted against members of the audience. And he's perfect for it. As the co-writer and editor of the Comedy Film Nerd's Guide to Movies, not to mention co-hosting the Comedy Film Nerd's podcast with fellow co-author Chris Mancini, Graham knows a thing or two about film. And as one of the organizers of last year's first Los Angeles Podcast Festival, he has come to learn quite a bit about podcasting, too. We were trying to do this interview face-to-face. Those are always the best, but couldn't coordinate schedules the last time that Graham was in San Francisco. So we jumped up on Skype and got it done. Keep listening afterwards for this week's Burst o' Durst. But for now, here's the interview. I have Graham Elwood on, on the Skype, on the phone, on the Skype. Uh, from are you in Los Angeles or on the road? No, I'm in Los Angeles right now. Okay, very good. And Los Angeles is home for you, isn't it? Yes, it is. Excellent. Uh, you are uh, have become legendary among those in the podcast community because you're one of the uh, people who organized the first annual Los Angeles Podcast Festival last October. Yeah, that was um, that was a really cool thing. You know, Dave Anthony came to uh, Chris Mancini and myself. Uh, you know, Chris and I do comedy film nerds, and he said, um, you know, we should do a podcast festival, and this is probably in the spring of, I think, 2011. Okay. And we were like, that's a great idea, because, you know, Chris and I are both filmmakers, and we'd, we've gone to a million film festivals. Yeah. And so we kind of had a good idea of, of, you know, what we wanted to do and how to run in one, and... uh We'd also then just come back from doing Bridgetown mm-hmm. in Portland. Uh, the, yeah, the Bridgetown Comedy Festival in Portland, and uh, that we were like, we should have Andy Wood involved because I know Andy, and he runs that. You know, that festival is huge. It's like yes. two hundred some comics. It's a giant festival, and he's done a really good job with it. So, um, you know, we did that. And we got Andy involved, and then we talked about it. We started having meetings about it. We're like, well, we should raise the money on Kickstarter and just – that way we don't – you know, if the yeah. fans want it, it'll happen. And, and the fans wanted it. And they did, yeah. And so we put it on Kickstarter, and it was great. And we – I think our goal was twenty, twenty or like $25,000, and we hit that quickly, like yeah. within 12 days or something like that. And so – but we uh, we pushed it on the Succotash show and on the podcast, and that's how I ended up getting my weekend tickets. Was uh, kicking in money for that, so I thought it was right. a great endeavor. It was great, and the first year, you know, was so awesome. The fan response was great. Uh, people loved it, and it, I I had a blast. I felt like I was just like you were you running know. around like a like a monkey on crack, man. You were crazy. It was great because it was like, well, first there was just a lot of stuff to do. There's always like, oh, you got to get this and what about that? So there's just all that kind of business. But then it was so fun because I just got to watch all of my friends' shows and like kind of participate in some of them. And it was just a, it was it was like a, it was like a slumber party for comics. You know, it was just a blast, and and uh, and the yeah. fans absolutely loved it. You know, the fan response was just, they were like, we couldn't believe that all these people were together in one place and it made it so cool. And then, you know, we kind of knew that 
it took a couple months after the first one ended for us to kind of see, figure out, you know, can we do another one? And, and you know, so now we're doing it again, October 4 through 6. Go to LAPodFest.com. Excellent. And I, uh, I already have my weekend ticket, so I'm not worried about it. Uh, well, but uh, so how are you? You're not doing Kickstarter, so I'm assuming you've gotten some actual sponsors together. You know, uh, we figured, you know, that if we did the exact same number of ticket sales from last year and this, and a little bit more sponsorship, we could probably make it happen. And we just knew that, you know, we'd have more time because the first year, you know, by the time Kickstarter funded and then we set up the, the LLC and the website and everything, there was probably about three or four months of promotion to sell tickets for a thing that no one had ever heard of, yeah. you know? So, uh, I think we did okay considering that. And this year we were just like, you know, we were able to put, everything was already in place so we yeah. could put tickets on sale in January and the ticket sales have been sort of steady. And, and then the sponsors, you know, the, the, the digital companies, the big sponsors don't get podcasting yet. The big companies, no. they, they, they just, they're just like, huh? Well, let's you know, be thankful because I think once the big companies do get podcasting, they're going to take podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, if those of us, if we let them. Yeah, well, um, that's true. But uh, we all go through ISPs, and who knows what, what those guys will do. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's, um, but the tech companies really got it. And so this year we already have – we're doing a couple of different things this year. Where, where We have two more rooms, and it's in the same place, the Sheridan Delfina in Santa Monica, California. Yeah, which turned out to be – that was a great location for it, actually. I was uh, kind of surprised because I'd been there before – and the layout actually really lent itself pretty well to the event. It was perfect. You know, we looked around for different places. We thought about doing theaters or comedy clubs or something like that. And then we looked at different hotels and they just had the perfect layout for us. And it was in a cool location because we just knew a lot of people would be flying in from out of town. And we really wanted this, wanted them to come and have like a vacation, yeah, you know, yeah. like. And it was great because, like, people were, like, going to the beach and the Santa Monica Pier and the Third Street Promenade, and they were posting photos of their cool vacation and all this stuff. And that's that's what I really wanted, like, because, again, we learned that from doing film festivals of, like, going to Park City, Utah, and, like, well, I'm going to get some skiing in while I'm up here right, and, right. and all those kind of places. And so so we did that, and, and, and the hotel was great. And it was funny. The, the hotel didn't get what the festival was. I, I had no idea. <laughs> They just kept going, your event? And I, I kept trying to say, we're not going to be a bunch of guys in golf shirts and lanyards and, you know, <laughs> watching PowerPoint presentations. Like, these are fans <laughs> watching comedy shows. And, and they didn't get it. And, and yeah. then after they saw the first one and they saw actually what the bar revenue was. because uh, yes. Time, <laughs> yes. They uh, were like, oh. <laughs> so, you know, one, one uh, thing that I thought when I first got there was going to be a stumbling block turned out to actually be a... Uh, quite a nice blessing for podcasters anyway, which is uh, everything was happening kind of on the first couple of floors. And then you had the ballroom way up at the top and there were just the two elevators to get there. Mm -hmm. So you're waiting for the elevators, but it gave you a time to network with people that are waiting. So I was able to line up a bunch of interviews that I would do in the lobby or in one of the side rooms that I never would have had the chance to get to these people. Otherwise it was great. Well, you know, we saw shows like you, a lot of shows like yours doing that. And that's one of the things we're doing this year is we're having what's called the podcast lab. Oh, cool. And this is be spot. One of our big sponsors this year is, is uh, Squarespace and they're like a web design 
like a do-it-yourself web design uh, company, and they sent some people out the first year just to check it out and then contacted us a couple months ago, and they're like, we want to sponsor. So one of the things we're doing, they're having a podcast lab, and it's, it's a room for shows like yours, uh, anyone who bots buys a ticket, and you can interview anyone you want in there, and we kind of want it set up sort of like a like a like a press room to where uh, you know you can grab a comic and a comic you know or one of the podcasters or whatever can go in that room and just knock off about you know a half a dozen interviews That's great. and and shows like yours like you said because we so we did it we did a bunch of interviews with smaller shows and and we were like well this is what we want we really just want to embrace the medium and while we can't have you know, 500 shows in the festival, you know, we we want, but we want everyone to get the most out of it. So if you're coming to the festival and you have a small podcast, bring a recorder, you can get interviews with all these big name people that'll help your podcast grow. Yeah, exactly. No, it was a great opportunity the way it was. And I think you guys really had a nice vision there to turn that into something more official this year, which will be terrific. It's going to be cool. And, and, and what Squarespace is doing is they're sponsoring the whole room. So they're going to, they're going to dress the room up and they're going to have, you know, food and drinks and all that kind of stuff in there to take care of people. And uh, that's really cool. And then MailChimp, one of our sponsors from last year, uh, increased their sponsorship and now they're paying for a closing night party. Oh, great. So we're going to have a big closing night party with, you know, probably an open bar for a certain amount of time. Probably not the whole time. I got to work that out. <laughs> no, not the way podcasters drink. You can't get no. away with that. I don't want comedian comedians <laughs> and, and and the like to have a just an endless bar. No, that um, wouldn't work. <laughs> we'd have to get riot gear in there. But no, it, it, it's going to be. We're already getting more stuff, and and there's going to be more. There was 24 shows in the festival last year. This year, there's probably going to be near 40. Terrific. So it's it, we're expanding. It's it's really cool. Well, one of the things that uh, I got for being a uh, sponsor through Kickstarter uh, was this uh, nice little. Um, swag bag uh-huh. uh, and one of the things in there was uh your comedy album uh palm strike dance party <laughs> and uh so when i was driving back to san francisco uh as one of the things i listened to uh besides all the other interviews i was doing and trying to listen to those i gave your album a listen and uh, it's really very funny it was great oh thanks man it's a, you know that album came out last year it was through uh a special thing records you know ast records matt belknap and and, and ryan and uh, it was so much fun to do, and then I put the bonus dance song on there, Palm Strike yes. Dance Party, which uh, <laughs> Natasha Lajaro is sort of the Fergie in the song. Oh, nice. And, and uh, Mike Furman from Hard and Firm produced the whole song, and he really ma- he made it. Like, I just went in there and went, I want this sort of Britney Spears, <laughs> Katy Perry thing, and he did all this hilarious stuff in there. No, it's great. I, 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 I'm so happy with, with what happened to it. And it's also available as a ringtone. So if any of your oh, fans want to buy that. Very funny. Well, I will, uh, I'll put a link. Uh, I'll put a picture of the CD and a link up on the, the blog that always accompanies my podcast. So awesome. people can click through. And then, of course, I also enjoyed the uh, Comedy Film Nerds book, which uh, has a lot of the guys that write for this book and uh, that you know are good friends of mine for years, like uh, – Dean Haglin and uh, Matt Weinhold and I used to be roommates in L.A. and uh, Jackie right. Cation, Lord Carrot, blah, blah, on and on. Greg Proops. Uh, so it's a terrific uh, read. Oh, thanks, man. It was, again, it took two years to do. Uh, Chris Mancy and myself, a lot of those people had already been writing reviews 
because we have the Comedy Film Nerd podcast, but the first thing we ever had was the website that had comics writing funny movie reviews and Matt Whitehold and, and yeah. Dean Haglund and Lord Coretton and Jackie Cation, um, Laura House. They all wrote uh, reviews for us, and so we had them come in, and then we got like Greg Proops and, and, and other people. Alan Havey, who's yeah. very funny, wrote an article. It was just an, the thing that was so we loved about it so much was there was a consistent tone through, in the book. But every chapter is very uniquely that comedian's opinion. And their voice. Yeah. And their voice. It's totally their voice and what they love and what they're passionate about. And then at the end of each chapter, there's a 10 best and 10 worst of whatever genre they're talking about. It was, it was so great to do that book, and it's, it's been such a cool thing. That's great. Uh, so let me ask, uh, turn kind of the uh, hands of time back. When did you start doing stand-up? The first time I ever did it, I was a freshman in college at the University of Arizona, and I I joined I entered a, a stand up comedy competition. The the Doritos Sticklets Sticklets is a defunct gum, <laughs> <laughs> and, and it was um, was I, it at the uh, freshman, Improv in Tempe or something? No, it was actually at the University of Arizona in Tucson, and oh, it was okay. on campus. In the, they had a little performance space in, this, in the student union called The Cellar. And the MC was a young, mullet-wearing Judd Apatow. Ah. <laughs> so, um, and uh, that was the first time I ever did stand-up. I was 18. And then there was a comedy group in college that I joined. And I, then I became, I changed my major from economics to film. And, uh, and that was that. And then I, after I graduated, I moved back to Chicago and started doing stand-up full-time. Okay. Um, so you, have you always stayed uh, in the stand-up mode? Did you ever do improv or sketch or anything like that? Well, you know, uh, some of the guys that I was in this college group with uh, at Arizona, um, four of us moved to Chicago. Actually, five or six moved to Chicago after college, and we formed a group for a while called uh, Fancy Ketchup. <laughs> and... Uh, we did sketch stuff in Chicago, and then we all moved to L.A. at the same time, and we did sketches in L.A. for a while. Um, okay. So, yeah. Um, so, uh, any of those guys still performing? Yeah. Um, well, Tim Bennett, um, who uh, produced uh, the, the, my documentary, Afghanistan with me together, um, he's been starting to do more acting. He has sort of a unique look. He grew up this big, crazy beard. He looks like a prospector or something <laughs> like that. So he's starting to get work doing that. Uh, Paul Goebel has his own podcast, The King of TV, oh, yeah. um, which his co-host is Jim Bruce. And Jim and Paul and Tim and myself, we were fancy ketchup. Oh, so, gotcha. Yeah, everyone's still sort of doing it in some, some capacity. Um, so when you were doing stand up and off on your own, did you, uh, tour the country and were you playing, you know, in the middle of nowhere or major clubs? What was your, uh, sort of circuit like? Uh, both. Uh, it was everything that you said. It was, yeah. uh, you know, when I, I graduated college and I, and I moved back to Chicago and started doing, you know, I was doing Second City classes. We were doing the fancy ketchup shows, and then I just started doing stand up as much as I can, I could, and just started getting. At the time, you know, in the early '90s in Chicago, there was like twelve clubs in the Chicago area, and there was a lot of work. And that's I started with like Mike Schmidt and and Mike Siegel and Jimmy Pardo and Paul Gilmartin, and and we all kind of started together. And so I was like. 
I was waiting tables for about the first year out, out of college, and then I was able to quit because there was just enough work, and I did everything. I mean, some you do some nice comedy clubs on the weekends. I do gigs in bowling alleys. I mean, I, every, every Holiday Inn in Wisconsin <laughs> that had a lounge, I performed at it. That's fantastic. But then, of course, that was at the same time that the, uh, the original comedy boom, which I call you know, where it started in the early 80s, started to fall apart, right, around the early, mid-90s. Mm-hmm. So then it got a little harder to cobble things together, I'm assuming. Yeah, it did. And that's sort of what was the motivation at, for me and, and, and a lot of those guys who I just named. We all kind of went, well, we need to move to L.A. Yeah. because the road was just looking bleak, you know. <laughs> yeah. and, and, you know, back then there was no Internet or any of this. So it was like it, it, the road was kind of a dead end. And yeah. so um, – we all moved to LA to get into film and TV. And, you know, I had some success with that doing hosting some game shows and stuff, but it's, it's so fascinating to me now that because of Facebook and Twitter and podcasting that, and YouTube that it's now changed. Like you go on the road and you can build up a fan base and make decent money. And, and and like I, I've done over 300 episodes of TV and I never had a fan base until I started doing podcasting and, and Twitter and all that stuff. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. When I, was, when I started booking comedy, uh, I used to book for a company out of San Francisco. We booked The Punchline, and I uh, booked and ran uh, the Comedy Underground Seattle. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, you would hire somebody to headline because they had gotten a shot on The Tonight Show. Right. And that was their reach out to, to the public. And the model has completely, as you said, it's completely different today. It's... It's unbelievable. You know, I was in Australia doing a tour of shows in, in, in December. And at every show, there was at least a couple of people who listened to comedy film nerds. Isn't that amazing? And I, I just, and some of them were, I mean, I, like, there were some really good gigs I did. There was also just some little, like, bar gigs that, they, that these comics helped me get just to pay. And it was just awesome. Every, every show was great. But, I mean, I'm doing some little bar gig in the back of a restaurant, you know, somewhere out in, in out suburban Melbourne and there's fans showing up going, Oh man, we love comedy film nerds. And that is amazing to me. Yeah. You know, I don't know if you're familiar with really with Succotash in our format, but basically we play clips of other comedy podcasts. And as a result, you know, we play podcasts from Ireland and England and Australia and Canada and Peru and all over the world. Wow. Uh, so it's amazing when you discover that people are listening to you around yeah. the world. It's, it's outlandish, uh, literally. It's, it's, it is so cool that, you know, you, if you ever like check your statistics, like we checked one time and we'd like 110 or something, 150 countries. Someone has listened to us. Some there's like, you know, in Zimbabwe, like one guy downloaded it or whatever, and he's probably a Peace Corps worker or something who's sure. just like going out of his mind or something. But it's it's fascinating to me the countries all over the planet where people are listening. And you know, like so I didn't even know there's podcasts coming out of Peru. I, I want to know this. I want to meet these people. I'd love them. I hope they come to the festival if they're listening. You know, well, it's, it's actually a podcast called The Brit and the American. And they were in England. They drove through the United States. And I had dinner with them when they were in San Francisco. And they were moving to Peru for like a year to run a farm. <laughs> and, and they have Internet down there. It's amazing.
<laughs> I think that's awesome, man. Now, the other interesting thing about podcast is it has become its own universe. And by that, I mean everybody is appearing on everybody's show. I mean, I hear you on Doug Benson's show all the time. Yeah. And I think that's a great thing. It smacks to me so much of the early days of television and radio when you had crossovers and people would visit each other's show. It. It is. I mean, we're doing. It's this is rock and roll in the fifties. I mean, it's 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 who knows where it's going to go. And it's funny you say that because when I first went back out on the road in two thousand and eight, like two thousand seven, two thousand eight, I started going back on the road mainly two thousand eight, and that's when I had started being a kind of a, a, a guest on occasion on Never Not Funny, uh-huh. and the Never Not Funny fans so loyal to that show. And would come up to me, you know, saying bag of corn friend or whatever joke Jimmy and I had been doing, talking about men's warehouse. And that's when I was like, wow, there's something to be said for this. Like I was really got to, it's funny being on the road heavy the last five years, I've gotten to see it all shift. You know, oh, yeah. I've got to see it happen. I got, you know, I went on the road with Doug Benson when his shows were just stoner fans. And then his podcast started to get successful and you'd see the podcast fans showing up, sitting in the front row with name tags, you know, like, and the stoners in the back because they came late, you know, like it was just, yeah. it's, it's, it's been amazing to watch. Uh, it is amazing. It's also interesting that it's still not as well known as we would like. I mean, I was uh, trying to pry a comic friend of mine loose the uh, last week to sit him down for an interview. And there's this woman talking to him. He says, I got to get out of here. I got to do this podcast interview. And she goes, what's that? He goes, well, it's oh. a podcast. She says, I have no idea what you're talking about. It's the, the, the most recent statistic I heard was there's still 80% of America doesn't know what it is. Yeah. And once a month, once a week, almost I have that conversation where I go, they're like, what's a podcast? Well, it's like a digital radio show. Oh, so what channel is it on? You can download <laughs> it whenever you want. Oh, okay. Yeah. Time. No, no, you don't understand. You can, you can. And, and yet the figure that I've heard on the other side is there's literally something like 300,000 podcasts being produced around the world. <laughs> you know, the great thing is, is that 80% number is going to keep shrinking. Yes. And, and the quality shows, the quality will always rise to the top. And it's like, honestly, I feel like it's Facebook in 2007, 2008. I remember posting on my MySpace page, I don't understand Facebook. <laughs> you know, and I can't even tell you what my login info is for MySpace anymore. I, I have no idea. So yeah. I think it's becoming a thing that people are starting to slowly get the, the, the most interesting thing to me, it hasn't taken off on college campuses. This is a, this puzzles me. That's interesting, um, yeah. Wouldn't you think that this technology with the college kids would be out in front of it? Nope. Yeah. They're it's so a little weird, isn't it? They're so insulated. Yeah. It's interesting. I don't, uh, I wonder what that's about because you would think they'd be a pretty early adopter to that. Right, because especially this era of college kids who's, who've had computers since they were seven would be all over it. But 
it's funny because um, I do a fair amount of colleges with Doug Benson, and we the, the the number of people in the audience that are there with name tags, excited to play Leonard Malton against me is it's we barely ever do it because there's not enough people there. Wow. And I and some we were doing a Northeastern, and these two guys snuck into the show. They're like, we don't even go to college here, but we just love your podcast. And I said, why do you think the college kids don't get on board with this, the podcasting as much? He goes. He goes, because they don't have some shitty job. They got to <laughs> that's, you know what, that's a great point. And pass the time. Yeah. You know, yeah. they're busy studying or what, you know, when you're in college, everything is, you're just in this little bubble. Yeah. Well, you know, it's kind of funny because uh, before I started my podcast, I had a few favorites I listened to. But now that I clip podcasts, I, I do nothing but listen to podcasts in all my spare moments. So I don't think I've listened to my car radio since I bought the car. I just listen to podcasts. Right. Um, so you're, I guess you could be regarded as quite the authority on podcasts. I mean, you start fairly early on, you run the podcast festival and I have a lot of podcasters that have started their shows listening to my show because they hear other people's podcasts and it inspires them to say, Hey, I could do something like that. Or that gives me an idea. So we've got a lot of nascent podcasters or wannabe podcasters out there. Cool. Any advice for someone who's just kind of getting started? Not so much technology. There's so much different technology to use, and it's pretty easy to pick it up. But any sort of just sort of um, techniques, things like that, how to get going. Well, the thing about the beautiful thing about podcasting, and Chris and I say this to each other all the time, we can do whatever we want. We can do whatever we want. We've set up a pretty solid format for our show because it kind of what, what our fans really like and what we really like. But anytime we want to try something new, we go, well, let's try something new. And, and you know, sometimes it's easy to fall into, at least all of us who we've all been, like a lot of us comics, we've all been in show business a long time. And so we, we kind of, a lot of LA. Well, the reason I think it started in LA more than New York is because LA comics are just more frustrated, you know. <laughs> um, and so, and we all have apart, you know, homes and apartments that are big enough to have to do things. A studio, yeah. yeah. Um, and so, you know, never forget that that you can do whatever you want. There's no network notes. There's nobody. The only people you really are beholden to are the fans and you get direct feedback from them, you know, and we really like, you know, create a show and you can talk about whatever you want. Like, you know, when we created comedy film nerds, I mean, it's in the title, what the show is going to be about. It's going to be funny. We're going to talk about movie and we're nerds, you know, but we, we've, we've, we've started, you know, we've done themed episodes and we do, you know, tonight we're doing a live show at the Nerd Melt Theater. What we're going to do is summer movie preview with with Doug Benson and Kevin Pollack. Nice. Um, usually, once a year, we go to a film festival and interview independent filmmakers, and we just we just say we can just do do whatever you want and try different stuff and experiment and see what works and what doesn't. And and the thing is, you know, the New York Times did an, did an article about why they said, here's why you should listen to comedians podcasts. It's not because they're funny. It's because they're being honest. And if a lot of your listeners out there are not professional comedians, that's okay. Just be honest about who you are. There's no, there's no medium where you can just say literally whatever you want. And I don't mean like, Oh, you get to swear and cuss, but you do. So, 
Yeah. That's what I think the, the, the beautiful thing about podcasting is, is I've seen so many interesting shows. People come up with a different, you know, just that, oh, we're going to just sit around and talk. I think you've got to come up with more than that. Yeah, that, that's a majority of them that are out there because, as I say, I clip a lot of shows. And a lot of them are three guys sitting around just looking at the newspaper or looking at each other. And it's fine to be honest, but if that's all you're going to do, it runs dry pretty quick. I think – you know, <laughs> you have to be a really entertaining person like Jimmy Pardo or Mark Marin or something like that to yeah. just sit around and talk. You got to like, be or a Bill Burr or a Greg Proops. Right. You know, you just listen to anybody. Yeah, these are very these are got comics that have been doing comedy like 20 plus years each and they're very skilled at this. So if you can't do that I'm, I'm, you know, come up with something. And I think, you know, these are guys who've made their living comics. We make our living getting people to listen to us. So if you don't do that for a living, then come up with some kind of format or structure for a show. Like when I hear this is a show where they talk about this weird thing, I'm always intrigued by it because I'm like, wow, I want to hear what that's about. Uh, yeah, you know, it's kind of funny too, because uh, you mentioned you can do whatever you want. And you can, I, I know a lot of podcasters, again, that are fans of this show that have just, they go, you know what, this format isn't working. They'll do it for 26 episodes, and then they go down, and a couple months later, they come back up with a new concept, new title, <laughs> a new show. Uh, it's, it's amazing. And there, like you said, there's no network notes. Nobody's saying you can't do it. Yeah. I mean, if you just have something you want to say, just plug in a microphone to your laptop and start talking. I mean, that just start doing that and then and then figure out like that's you know, Chris and I, we just kind of slugged our way through A, figuring out the technology and B, like, what's the for we just the first couple we just sort of talked about movies and then we went, Why don't we have Jackie on? Yeah. You know, and then why don't we have Mike Schmidt on? And that was interesting. And then we went, Oh, you know what? This is what it is, and now we have this clear formula and we have a even a clear formula for when we do like themed episodes that are just about a specific filmmaker or genre or something like that so i think play around with it like you can experiment there's what the worst thing that happened is it just didn't work that i mean like what do you lose by taking a big swing at something exactly nothing exactly no uh if you're horribly embarrassed you can just pull the whole thing down <laughs> yeah just delete the shit you know <laughs> <laughs> exactly uh, it's kind of funny. Um, have you been approached by like big name comics or people, you know, in the industry that want to do this and they're hesitant to get started? And here's, here's why I ask is, uh, one of the friends of Succotash is Dana Carvey. He's been on several times and, uh, he keeps talking about wanting to do it, but he's hesitant to start. And I think it's about what you were talking about is you should have something that you either want to talk about or you want to do. Yeah. I, I just wonder that, what kind of advice do you give those those echelon of people if you ever talk to them about that? Well, I, when I talk to those echelon of people, you know, like I, I cite something like what Paul F. Tompkins is doing. Mm -hmm. You know, he's doing like an old-timey radio show, you know, and yeah. and he's doing his thing. Or like Todd Glass. It's that – the Todd Glass show is the most unbridled <laughs> format I have ever seen Todd Glass in and it is great. Yeah. If you're a fan of Todd's, it's awesome and i think like every comic has some sort of passion or hobby or some weird something that they're really into because most comics have some type of an obsessive type brain that's kind of how you get into it and yes. i would say i would say yeah find that thing 
you know, and, and it can be the, the weirdest thing you want to, you want to do. You know, Tom Wilson was on our show and he said he, he knows Mark Hamill. And he said to Mark, I'm going to have you on the show and we'll, if you want, we'll talk for an hour and I'll never bring up Star Wars. <laughs> never, never bring it up once. You know, and, and I think because Tom has had that, oh, hey, it's Biff. He said, yeah. deal with that for 30 years that he's like, okay with that. And he does a lot of interviews like that, which I think is, is, is really interesting. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. That's great. So do we have any uh, other books, records, movies coming out from you? Well, of course, there's the, the L.A. Podcast Festival, which uh, is October 4th through 6th in Santa Monica, California. Tickets are available at LAPodfest.com. Uh, the Comedy Film Nerd Guide to Movies, as we mentioned. I'm going to have a new album probably coming out uh, later this year. Uh, of course, you can watch myself and Doug Benson in Greatest Movie Ever Rolled, <laughs> um, which is available as a download. If you just, uh, I think you go to chill.com or just, or just Google Greatest Movie Ever Rolled. Okay. Um, and, uh, yeah, you know, and, and if you go to GrahamElwood.com, you can get all my tour dates. Okay. I tour all over the country, and when I'm not opening for Doug Benson, I'm out headlining myself, so. All right, great. Well, listen, we'll put up uh, a plethora of links to all of your things uh, with the blog that goes with this episode. Cool. And I look forward to finally meeting you face-to-face. Well, we actually kind of met last year. Uh, but, uh, this time we've got a little bit more history. So, uh, when I see you yeah. at the LA podcast festival this time, uh, we'll talk for a bit. Make sure you come up and say, Hey Mark. We'll do. All right, buddy. Thanks. Thanks Graham. Take care. Bye. Be sure to check out Graham Elwood in his many venues, comedy clubs, comedy film nerds, his album, Palm Strike Dance Party, Doug Loves Movies, and think about grabbing a ticket for this year's LA podcast fest. Uh, Succotash will be there. It's this October down in Los Angeles in Santa Monica, so check it out. All right, before we close out this massively packed epi of Succotash with our Bursto Durst, let me remind you that Will Durst is performing his new one-man show entitled Boom Raging from LSD to OMG at the Marsh Theater in San Francisco for another couple of weeks on Tuesday nights through June 25th. So if you're in the Bay Area, either living here or on vacation, or if you just want to fly in special for Durst, check out Boom Raging. Now, here's our Burst of Durst. Hey, guys. Will Durst here with a few choice words about how strange it is to see France getting their panties all in a wad over gay marriage. Thousands of folks recently took to the streets to express their extreme doubts as to how much freedom should be leaking out of the same-sex side of their famously perforated liberty hose. It's so counterintuitive. We're talking about the French here. The very same people who have an entire category of kissing named after them. A slippery kind of kissing. The best kind. When you call someone a French lover, it doesn't mean they're experts at missionary style if you catch my drift. You never hear people swear like a sailor then ask you to pardon my Cantonese. No, it's pardon my French. The honor of the nation that prides itself on riding jaded sophistication into new galactic orbits. The French who witness funerals of heads of state attended by both wives and mistresses, and collectively yawn. That worships fashion like nuns at a Vatican theme park while the kids are slugging down red wine for lunch. An entire nation that eats snails and bark and moss and pretty much anything that grows on the side of trees, and two men kissing as the capital of romance, screaming in the streets? Doesn't make sense. 
This is like Greece begging to have stricter austerity measures imposed, or the Irish demanding shorter drinking hours, Germany encouraging everyone to lighten up, America requesting international cooperation, Canadians asking to be put in charge of something, anything, the Italians marching in unison. This is France, the country you normally associate with the moral rectitude of a cat in heat on Mexican spring break during the ecstasy harvest. Next, they'll start whining about all the butter and cream in their diet. Might be time to switch to margarine and skim milk, n'est-ce pas? For Succotash, the podcast of comedy podcasts, I'm Will Durst. Get more details on Will's show Boom Raging at willdurst.com. Also read his tweets at Will Durst on Twitter. So much show. Hope we didn't overstay our welcome in your ears with Epi 61. We packed a lot in there. Not sure what we've got going on for upcoming Epi 62 yet. Other than the fact you can probably bet there'll be more clips of comedy podcasts. Until then, though, please be sure to pass the succotash. You've been listening to Suckatash, the comedy podcast podcast with your host, Mark Hershon. Brought to you by Henderson's Pats. And imagine your company's name right here. Find us on the web at SuckatashShow.com, on iTunes, or on Stitcher Smart Radio. You can also like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Succotash Show, email us at marc at succotashshow.com, or call into the Succotash hotline at our toll call number, 818-921-7212. That number again is 818-921-7212. Succotash is produced and engineered by Joe Paulino through the auspices of Studio P. Sausalito, the home of the hit. Our musical director is Scott Carvey. Our booth assistant is Kenny Durges. Until next time, I'm your loyal booth announcer Bill Haywatt reminding you to please pass the succotash goodbye hello I'm Angela Makrovitz on behalf of the Culinary Institute of Charleston for postandcourier.com I've always thought it's amazing to be able to get fresh produce at its peak in the summer season create an amazing dish and recreate it at holiday time for either a side dish or an entree and also have an unexpected surprise for even breakfast if you wanted to Today we're going to create succotash using the traditional lima bean and corn but with a couple different twists. First of all I have put in a saucepan some lima beans and butter beans with some kosher salt. And I'm just going to cook these until slightly tender. I don't want to overcook them. Those look great. Now I'm going to strain these. <laughs> the next thing I'm going to do is take about two to three tablespoons of butter. And what I want to happen on the, uh, in the skillet is for it to get foamy, almost to the point where it's brown butter, but stop it. I have about a tablespoon of garlic. And I'm Italian, so that probably means two tablespoons of garlic. The next thing I'm going to do is take fresh corn, and often when you take the husks back, it has quite a bit of silk in it, so I'm just going to take a towel and wipe that off so it cleans it, makes it easier for me. I'm going to cut it off the cob, and I'm going to add it to my foaming butter.
along with all of my beans. That smells really good. Okay. I've cut up about a cup of French, fresh country ham. This adds sort of a nice salty pork flavor to the succotash. For those of you that are vegetarian, you could leave that out. You could exchange this for prosciutto. A little fresh kosher salt, freshly ground pepper, and some fresh thyme, about a tablespoon. One of the twists that I like to do is to take grape tomatoes, roast them separately with fresh garlic, a little balsamic vinegar, some fresh olive oil, put those in the oven for about 20-30 minutes and then add that to my succotash. We're then going to add about three quarters of heavy cream. And let that cook for about two to three minutes. Typically, this is not a side dish that is left over after your meal, but if it is, it makes a wonderful frittata the morning after by adding some egg and some more cream. As you can see, a very simple dish, easy to make, versatile, can be used as a side dish, an entree, and again, you can even recreate it in a different way for breakfast. On behalf of the Culinary Institute of Charleston for postandcourier.com, I'd like to thank you for sharing our kitchen with us today. We hope to see you soon. Fucking hell.